Well, good day, everyone. This is Mark Tinsley, and you are joining me on The Message, which is a ministry of inquiry for today. Today's message is entitled, Fool-Making. Fool-Making. It was based on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. So let's start off by reading that passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So the question we want to ask today is, what is wisdom? Or alternatively, when you consider the ideal of wisdom, what do you think about? What are some words or phrases that come to mind? In my mind, some some words or phrases that come to mind are prudence, maybe good decision-making, maybe right thinking or good judgment, shrewdness, soundness of mind sagacity, and things like that. But notice I didn't say intelligence. Now, some people equate intelligence with wisdom, but in my opinion, this is wrong. Intelligence, according to that great scholar Google, intelligence is the ability to acquire and apply knowledge. Let me say it again. Intelligence is the ability to acquire and apply knowledge. But this is different than wisdom, which is a much higher skill or personal capacity. You see, wisdom speaks to one's ability not just to apply knowledge, but to apply it with soundness, good judgment, and prudence, the things we've already kind of discussed. It's the ability to see beyond the veil, as it were, to see what other people do not or in some cases cannot see. It's the ability to see things happen before they happen in order to avert disaster. Now, I'm not talking about uh, being able to see the future or some kind of clairvoyance, but what I am saying is that it's the ability to see the consequences of our actions before we take an action. It's the ability to apply good judgment. But wisdom is something else, too. It's the application of truth, not just the application of knowledge, as is the case with intelligence. You see, wisdom for the Christian is discerning the rightness, the truth, the morality, the the ethical purity, and the common sense of God's Word, and applying it, God's Word, to our lives. Wisdom relies on something more than our own wit or mental capacities. It relies on the foundation of God as demonstrated in his word. You see, wisdom is something more than a cheap form of intelligence. In fact, I want to submit to you 
that wisdom is divine. The the problem, though, in our world today is that the Word of God and God are not held in high regard. A 2016 study by the Barna Group found that 73% of Americans claim to be Christians. That sounds pretty good. However, only 31%, less than one in three Americans, regularly attend church. This means that less than one in three Americans are regularly fellowshipping in the body of believers or, or frequenting a place where God's word is being proclaimed. And then of that 31%, how many are attending churches where the word of God is being rightly exposited? How many are attending churches where the preachers and teachers are rightly interpreting the truth of God's word and accurately discipling God's people? Now, I don't have those statistics with me, but I'm sure the numbers would be staggering. Even more convincing or concerning? A 2017 Gallup poll found that only 24% of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. Now, that's less than one in four. And this is the lowest percentage that Gallup has reported for biblical biblical literalism in 40 years. 40 years. Gallup also reported that 26% of Americans believe that the Bible is nothing more than a book of moral stories or fables. Now, that doesn't sound too bad. And although it doesn't sound high, this, too, is the highest percentage for biblical skepticism that Gallup has reported in 40 years. Now, what does this mean? It means that biblical literalism is trending downward while biblical skepticism is trending upward. Americans are believing the Bible less and marginalizing it more every year. Now, if I had to say it in my old country language, I'd say they ain't taking the Bible as seriously anymore. And if the Bible is where wisdom starts, if, as the psalmist said in Psalm 9, verse 10, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, then we've got a problem, folks. In fact, we've got a real problem. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, our passage today, the Apostle Paul is dealing with this matter of wisdom. And if we think the wisdom scare, as it were, that I just described is something new, then just listen to Paul's words again in verses 18 through 20. He says, for the word of the cross is folly, that is foolishness, to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You see, even in the first century, there was a divide in the world, a divide between the wisdom of God and what Paul calls the wisdom of the world, or maybe we could say foolishness or uninformed intelligence. Just like today, people of the first century world tried to use their own wits and their own experiences and whatever mental abilities they possessed in order to do what they thought was right and to make good decisions. But the problem was they excluded truth. 
they excluded God. They tried to use their bare intelligence, their brilliant ideas, the New Living Translation says in verse 19. They tried to use their brilliant ideas to, to carry them. But, but the only place it carried them was toward folly, toward foolish action. Yet ironically, they didn't consider their actions fo- uh, foolishness or folly. Rather, they considered the actions of those who followed the wisdom of God as folly. In other words, they so lacked in wisdom that they didn't even know what wisdom looked like. Now, many of you know that I'm an army chaplain. And so I'm kind of sensitive to this thing of stolen valor. I don't know if you know what that is, but stolen valor is where uh, folks will dress up like people in the military, put on a military uniform and put on the badges and medals and all those things on their uniform. And they'll walk around in society and and go to places and try to get discounts on food at restaurants or or get people to say thank you for your service to them out out on the uh, the sidewalks and and, and other places. Uh, They're just trying to get the benefit of being a soldier without ever having been uh, a soldier or person in the military. Now, that's illegal now, and most states have laws against that. But beyond all that, the problem with these folks who commit stolen valor violations is they, de- they don't know how to wear the uniform. Um, they get caught because they have badges in the wrong place and medals in the wrong place or medals in the wrong order, or they have medals and badges upside down on their uniforms or patches on the wrong shoulder. And the veterans will see them and they'll call them out. And there's some really funny v- YouTube videos out there of stolen valor violators being caught. But my point in the story is this. They get caught because they don't even know. They've never been a soldier, so they don't even know what the uniform is supposed to look like. They don't know what right looks like. They've never been in the military, so they don't know how to wear the uniform. This is like those who are fools. They don't know what the real thing looks like. Continuing in verse 21 and 22, for since In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly, that is the foolishness of what we preach, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Folks, the wisdom of God is diametrically opposed to the foolish intelligence of the world, the wisdom of the world. Paul has made this clear and he is restating it once again. But I see verse 21 as more of an encouragement to us than a statement of fact. He's already told us about the folly of the world in verses 18 through 20. What Paul is saying to us here is that even though the world may see our wisdom, the wisdom of God as foolishness, it is still one of the most important aspects of our faith because it's through this quote-unquote foolishness that people are saved. And Christian friend of mine, the salvation of souls is the most important mission for Christians. I mean, Christ told us this, didn't he? I mean, he called them witnesses in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and Matthew 24 verse 14. He told his disciples to make disciples in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Friends, as Christians, we are here to save souls. And right here, Paul basically says in verse 21, don't worry about what the world says about you because you are doing what matters. Matters. 
You're doing what matters. Paul is, in effect, encouraging us to be worldly fools, to be foolish in the eyes of man. Indeed, he's saying, make more worldly fools for Christ. Because worldly fools, ironically enough, are demonstrators of God's wisdom. Let me say that again. Did you hear it? Worldly fools are demonstrators of godly wisdom. But just so we don't miss it, I want to make this point clear. We, we don't strive for godly wisdom just so we can have it. We don't long for wisdom so that we can have something to arrogantly throw in other people's faces. We covet wisdom as Christians so that others might be saved. Paul said this in verse 21. We just read it. But he really drives it home in verses 23 through 24. He says, But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The point here is that no matter where one starts, even if someone starts with foolishness or with the wisdom of the world as their foundation, even if they come out of a diametrically opposed worldview like Judaism or the Gentile culture, they can still be called by God. They can still be saved. Why, you say? Because of the power of God to save. That word power, it's used twice in this passage, is the Greek dunamis meaning explosive power. This is the type of power that cannot be contained. It's a type of power that breaks down barriers, whether emotional or mental or cultural, whatever. It's the type of power that makes things new. Paul is saying that because of the power of God, it it doesn't matter what the world says. The power of God is mightier than any foolish intelligence. It's mightier than any worldly wisdom or any philosophical system or any anything. God can conquer it all and he can save. Why? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. I think we sometimes forget that God is almighty, that he's powerful beyond anything the world can throw at him. We also forget that as the children of God, we can partake in that power through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And because of his immeasurable power, we don't have to worry about what the world says. We can be worldly fools. We can make other worldly fools. And indeed, we should be working to add to the slate of worldly fools because in truth, worldly fools are not fools at all. They are the wisest of all people because their wisdom is grounded in the truth of God's word. It goes back to what we said in the beginning. Wisdom is divine. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that wisdom is divine? Do you believe that wisdom is grounded in the truth of God's word? Do you believe that the wisdom of God is diametrically opposed to the wisdom of the world and that sometimes the world will make fun of us, point their fingers at us and laugh and call us fools? But God says, Let them call you a fool and be a fool 
for God. Because it's in that type of foolishness that the greatest wisdom is found. So I want to invite you today to think about godly wisdom wisdom versus the wisdom of the world. I want to invite you to seek God's truth through Scripture, through His Word, and I want to invite you to be a fool, a fool for God, and I want you to invite other people to be fools for God. Let's be fool makers for God. And let's start today. Thank you and God bless.